0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Healthy Perspectives Podcast, CDMI Connect's podcast series on healthcare, innovation, and the ever-evolving digital landscape. We're your hosts, Greg and Scott. Hey
1: everyone, on today's episode we go on location at Twitter headquarters in NYC. We sat down and spoke to Katie Collins, who's part of Twitter's new health division. We talked to her about how social media is changing healthcare, why patients love it, and why patients are drawn to Twitter. Here's our conversation. Enjoy it.
0: Here we are in Twitter, New York, on the road again. We are talking to Katie Collins. It's all about Twitter, social media, and health. And we also have Scott, who is making a miraculous effort to be here after his wisdom teeth uh, extraction. Oh, thank you, Ray.
1: That's uh, so nice of you. Yeah, I had my uh, four wisdom teeth pulled uh, not too long ago, so I'm playing through the pain because... Looking so, good, though. I wouldn't have Thank you. Known. Not too swollen, but uh, I'm excited for this episode. I didn't want to miss it, so I'm gonna play through the pain. I probably won't ask as many questions as I normally do,
0: but... It'll be fine. It's all right. Yeah. If I pass if I pass out, just keep going. Just keep going. (laughs) So again Thank you, Katie, for joining us. Sure. Happy We're excited to, be here. to chat with you about tweeting about health and what's the latest and greatest. Can you tell us some more about what you're doing here at Twitter?
2: Yeah, sure. So, I have been with Twitter for the past two years. Um, but prior to my time at Twitter, I actually grew up in the pharma industry. I worked at Pfizer for 11 years prior to coming to Twitter. And I started off as a sales rep in the field with drugs in my trunk, running around, driving to doctors' offices. Um, I then moved on to manage our sales team in the Northeast, and then eventually. Moved into marketing and headquarters, and when I was in marketing, working on a brand for migraines, I all of our market research suggested we had this mobile mom type of target, and trying to understand how best to connect with this target and this patient and this woman, and our research suggested that uh, she was spending a lot of time on social and a lot of time, of course, on mobile, as we all know is where we spend our time now, and this is going back maybe about two and a half years ago, and so. Um, looking at where we were spending our marketing dollars, I realized we really weren't investing heavily enough in digital and certainly none in the social space. So I had a friend from Twitter come in to brainstorm with us to see how we might be able to engage and reach that consumer on Twitter. Um, as Pfizer at that point, really, and a lot of the healthcare industry really hadn't been playing in the social space really at all a couple of years ago. It's just been in the last few years where we've seen the growth. So, long story short, had a great meeting with Twitter and was presented with an opportunity to come to Twitter to work Not just across one brand or one company, but across multiple pharmaceutical companies and multiple brands to help them from a strategy and execution standpoint reach the consumer that they're trying
0: to reach. How long has Twitter been working in that space or having a dedicated, dedicated... Healthcare team. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's been about three years, but our team has grown dramatically. Um, Myself and my colleague, Jess, actually, who's in the room. Thanks for coming, Jess. (laughs) Um, We're the first two uh, team members in New York. It was all a San Francisco-based which is actually where Twitter actually began, was in San Francisco, and that's where our team was. And we still have some members of the team out in San Francisco. But as our team continued to grow, we really started to bring more people into the New York office, where most of the pharmaceutical companies are in New York and New Jersey, and of course, all their agencies. So in order to best work closely with them, we've started to grow our team out in New York. And so now we have a, a growing team, and have been, I think, a, a strong team for over three years now.
0: Cool. cool.
1: How would you say Twif- uh, Twitter... You can tell my—how uh, would you say Twitter kind of differs from all the other social channels in the healthcare space? Do you think Twitter is doing something differently, or do you think it has the capabilities to do different things?
2: Yeah, good, good question. And I think I'll just back up to say I think the way we used to think about Twitter um, definitely put it in that social bucket. And it certainly does have those social capabilities, But I think we want to start to think about Twitter in a little bit of a different way and more as a news and information network. Because as you know, companies form and they have certain purposes when they begin, but obviously the people who use them the most start to kind of drive eventually what the company becomes. And I think if you were to ask anybody why they use Twitter, whether, you know, from a healthcare space or from any perspective, it's all about what's happening right now, what's live, what is actually engaging or or, or what is the most engaging conversation, whether it's cultural, um, whether it's specific to sports. I'm sure you've seen a lot of the live streaming sports that are happening now on Twitter. So I think the biggest thing to think about is moving kind of away from that social mindset and thinking of it more as a news and informational network where, all types of people, whether they're patients or just everyday people looking for information, go to use the platform.
1: Right. Yeah, that's so why I tell people when I'm like, I, I love Twitter, and I'm like, I'm on Twitter, and they're like... what do you you tweet? I'm like, no, I use it just to, like, get information, real-time information and, like, live anything, like breaking news and stuff like
0: that. Yeah, I would tweet in different seasons, like being very avid then being more of a consumer. Yeah. Probably haven't gone to the point of tweeting my health problems quite yet. (laughs) Um, But
2: But I think think what you guys are explaining is very typical user behavior. And I think part of what – it hinders some people from using Twitter more, is because they feel that need to tweet. They feel that need to always be putting information out there. When the reality is, that's not necessary. Just like you said, Scott, using the platform to more consume the information that's relevant to mm-hmm. you in the here and now. Right. You know, when when you hear about um, anything major happening in the news, where's the first place you go? You go to Twitter to find what is the latest up to date information. Where is it happening? You're getting live reports from people on the scene. You're getting reports from other people affected. So I think the way that you're using Twitter is very similar to the way many people use Twitter. They're consuming a lot of information.
0: Hmm. I think I started using Twitter like nine years ago Uh or so. Um, And uh, I believe our audience listeners are from a whole wide walks of life and ages. Could you give us a snapshot of what the Twitter demographics are today or else how it's shifted?
2: So you started using it nine years ago. That's pretty impressive. You were a very early Twitter adopter, Yeah, which I would is say, cool. I
1: think I used it like six years ago. And I thought that was pretty early, but...
2: So you guys started a long time ago. I've probably only been on Twitter about four years. And the reason I started using Twitter is I had an hour and a half commute each way every day to, to work to Pfizer coming from Connecticut. And um, online shopping, you know, had to give at some point. Pinterest, I could only get so many ideas for things that I wouldn't have time to do. So I eventually was like, Twitter, that's a great place because I wasn't watching the news in the morning. I didn't have time to really do those things and keep up um, to date on A, what was happening in the world in general and B, what are the things that are relevant to me that I'm interested in? I just didn't have the time to keep up with it. So I joined Twitter and that's how I passed my time on the train for Mm. over three hours every day and kept up to date with the latest things that are happening. So, um I haven't been on as long as you. But so the, the demographics of Twitter, I think a, a misperception and certainly one that I had prior to joining the company was that it's a very young millennial platform. And I think it's true that we definitely do have a strong millennial um, base, but actually it's far more diverse than I even anticipated when I came. I think we certainly have those young, young users as well. Um, but I think if you look at the platform and how we've evolved over the past few years and look at the average ages, they're actually aging. So Twitter is getting a a little bit older. So that older mindset, you know, we have our parents, we have our grandparents, we have, you know, younger brothers and sisters and things like that. They're that on the platform. So I actually think it's a pretty wide variety of ages that use the platform. And I think maybe different ages do things a little bit differently. Maybe the younger people tweet a little bit more and the older people consume a little bit less. But again, I think that's, that's relative to each individual, mm-hmm. but, um, it is surprisingly diverse across, across all ages. And then if you look at the male female ratio, it's actually really balanced.
0: And I know now people are even consuming tweets without even being on the platform, seeing it being pulled into mainstream media and articles all the time.
2: It's so true. I mean, even if you're not on Twitter, you can't help but see tweets. Right? Um, hashtags are
0: everywhere. Hashtags
2: are everywhere. I certainly overuse them in my personal life, um, but I think when you think about tweets, um, they're ambiguous to popular culture at this point. Um, they are part of everything we do. You know, we you have the ability to come to Twitter. You don't even have to have your handle, right? If Greg, Greg Wong wasn't available, and you're like, I'm not, you know, going to be on this platform. You could still consume all the information you're interested in from a logged out perspective. You search on Google for keywords. Search results from from Twitter are going to come up right there. And certainly, you watch any news program or sports, yes. live streaming yeah, tweets bottom, yeah. across the bottom. And every sports caster or news anchor, they all are going to have their Twitter handle yeah. under their name. So I think it just really speaks to how Twitter has evolved into that news and information network.
1: Right. So how is, just to bring us back in kind of the health scare space, mm-hmm. uh, how would you say Twitter is really changing the, the healthcare landscape?
2: It's, I think it's been a game changer. If you look back to the way consumers, you know, you and I are all consumers and patients of different things um, and how we learned about information years ago. It was just what the pharma company shared with us, right? It was in pamphlets um, and potentially, you know, websites and things like that. But it was a very one-way push communication. Um, Obviously, as the internet developed and certainly more people had websites and information out there, it became a lot easier for consumers to be more active and be more engaged in their health, to learn a bit more and to Become more informed, um, but with social and and Twitter, I think it's really been a game changer. You know, consumer research says that the number one or two reason people choose a product is through friends and family and from recommendations. And so you know, when we go to a physician, oftentimes now we're pretty well informed about what's wrong with us and what product we think may work for us. And I think we are a very leaned-in generation. And I think the people that leverage Twitter really go to Twitter to find the latest information on a disease state or a condition, whether it's from a thought leader or a physician in the space or from a pharmaceutical company or from an advocacy group or even from other people that share that same um, that same concern or that same issue.
1: Right. So yeah, I mean, like Twitter is definitely changing the way we communicate. I think all social media, I would say, is changing the way we
2: Yeah, it allows that two-way dialogue mm-hmm. that really is so essential and so valuable. I think as a marketer, looking back through that lens at Pfizer, I mean, the best thing for us and our worst fear is talking to our patients, right? Yeah. Like we want that information because yeah. all of that is what makes our marketing campaigns and what we develop for that consumer all that more valuable. But it's also really scary to hear directly from your consumers and certainly in an open forum like Twitter.
1: But if it's changing the way we communicate as marketers to consumers, how is it changing the way we communicate as doctors to patients or patients to patients or, you know, drug companies to patients or stuff like that?
2: It, it's it's completely changed everything. I mean, I think of the last time that, you know, I called a doctor's office to get test results or make an appointment. I can't even tell you. Everything is online now. Now yeah. it's not through Twitter yet at this point, yeah. but certainly the, the physicians that I see, I'm all able to go onto a website and, and, you know, schedule my own appointment. So I think the ability to do things with flex and ease um, has has started a while ago. And I think Twitter just allows people to talk directly, to have that one-on-one conversation. And maybe it's not Correctly connecting directly with your doctor, mm. um, but it's connecting with other people who have information that is valuable.
0: Yeah, to I've observed how. Instant communities are formed where people who are racking their brains or maybe searching out certain keywords to try to sleuth it out themselves.
2: It connects communities. I think it yeah. develops communities, and um, it, well, it know, develops
1: them. It, it's interesting because it develops them and then connects them, right?
2: Yeah, I think that's a, that's that's a very true point because people come to Twitter to kind of find yeah. that other person that has the same concern or question or issue that they may that they may have, and I think Twitter is the place where you can really easily find that, mm. um, and. And it allows you to talk to people far beyond your friends and family. You know, before... It was just, I could only talk to the people that were around me to get information. And now this whole new world has opened up where, you know, you said earlier, Scott, that you don't necessarily share your information. Maybe you said it, Greg, share your information on Twitter about your healthcare. And I think that's very true. I don't think we necessarily see patients (laughs) tweeting their their next diagnosis. Um, But we do see people using the platform to communicate a lot. And they're willing to share a lot more than I think the healthcare um, industry really ever thought. People are willing to share more in order to gain that information, to gain that that knowledge. They're a much more leaned-in consumer and focused more on their health and taking a lot more ownership of it. So I think you find people going to the platform to share what's relevant in order to engage and develop those communities.
1: So do you have any, not like specific examples of ways patients are being advocates, but just overall that you're seeing from you know kind of the inside Twitter, seeing how patients or seeing how people are using Twitter to kind of communicate with others in their community?
2: Yeah, you know, there's a really, um, a really great story of a woman named Heidi Floyd, and I'm gonna I'll read a quote to you in a second. But basically, she um, was a Twitter user, and reached out to um, my boss, Marianne Beliveau, who is the director of our our healthcare vertical here at Twitter, um, and reached out to her directly because she didn't know who to thank. And she said um, that she was a mother, a cancer patient, a mother of three expecting one again. So wow. she with three young children and another one on the way. She was a cancer patient. Um, and she often felt very, very alone in what she was going through. And she reached out to Marianne and found her to just say thank you. She said that Twitter really has become an invaluable resource to her as, as a cancer patient. And in her quote, when she when she spoke with us, she said that Twitter has become a true lifeline. I can request advice, consolation, encouragement, prayer, thoughts, and even jokes at 2 a.m. if necessary. That's great. I think it really sums up what Twitter can be for patients and their ability to find other people, to find the joke, to find the other support group that isn't always readily available in our really busy lives.
0: I read something recently about how social media, especially with Twitter, you can even just monitor the amount of conversation and chatter around certain issues or the on the, given the pulse of a, a day, um, yeah. especially with around. Um, health awareness days where a certain disease or a certain cause
2: Definitely. I think that what's one of the things and the value that really Twitter brings is the the data, right? And the data that allows brands and companies to most effectively align their message and and reach their consumer. Because at the end of the day, they're looking to reach directly to that consumer, but you want to be really relevant, right? Our time is is very scarce and it's divided among so many different mediums at this point, especially when you're online and you're on digital. So... um, the good things that we're able to provide is really around the data that we have, and I think one specific example is is flu season. And you think about every year there's kind of two main two main flu seasons in, in the spring and then again in the fall and into the winter but we're able to track the level of conversation around flu on the platform to know when that conversation starts to spike and even where it starts to spike wow. so that information is very valuable to to advertisers to the CDC to other um, health advocacy and awareness groups to help them understand you know what is happening around a specific disease state or a condition where is that conversation I mean think of the the implications for Zika, right? Like, oh, yeah. To be able to take a look at the conversation about Zika on the platform and really understand where that po- where conversation is coming from. Is it coming from Florida where we're really seeing a lot of the Zika at this point? Or is it coming from other areas? And I think there's a lot of amazing implications beyond just what an advertiser or a brand could ever consider and really think about overall health and overall value that, um, that large organizations can help with.
1: All right. Are there fears from whether the FDA or kind of just uh, drug companies of, you know, people can say whatever they want on Twitter and there's a platform to, you know, make yourself vocal. Do you think there's a...
2: It's an open conversational platform and and that's what it was built to be and and that's what it is. And I think, yes, there are always fears when you are dealing with a regulated industry like healthcare, but the fear is far greater than the reality. Mm -hmm. And I think what marketers and customer and companies fear is a consumer speaking back to them Even if it's positive, how do we directly yep. handle that in a public way or if it's negative or if it's an adverse event And so um, I think there's been a couple of studies that really recently suggested it on Twitter that less than 1% of the comments that brands and companies receive are negative and focused on you know adverse events and adverse reactions So
0: oh, that's a great statistic and I know it, as marketers we've been up against the wall <laughs> yeah. with a lot of different scenarios, with facing these client fears,
2: yeah, and it, it, it's 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 going to happen, right? Like that—that's the reality of of any open network. But I think the value of allowing those comments is so important. I mean. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, consumers just want to be acknowledged and they just want to be heard. They don't expect you to fix everything. um, But this really gives them a voice and that acknowledgement and to know that a brand or a a customer or a company engages and replies with them. That's all they're looking for. And I think the things that that companies can do, and it's very simple, it's just planning for it. It's thinking about what are the potential comments and thoughts we're gonna get. Let's have some pre-approved responses ready to go so when that situation arises, we can engage in a very authentic voice, but also in more real time. Because as consumers, if we tweeted a brand or a company, a healthcare company, We don't really know any different than tweeting at Delta or any other airline, right? We expect a reply, we respect a response. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't necessarily understand some of the legalities that are behind the scenes that might make Mm -hmm. it a little bit more challenging for healthcare. But we're seeing companies do it every day and brands do it every day.
1: Yeah, I think one of the best things, Social Media Week, best quote I heard was like, you have to plan to be spontaneous. So you have to, you know, customer service is so vitally important that you have to plan all these, like, you know, who can tell the future? I can't, but... uh, if, you know, you have to think about what are all these scenarios that somebody might say or somebody might do and then just have something in place so that you're prepared when that when It's that just like
2: happen. any other scenario you would do planning for a brand. It's no different. You're just thinking about here's the medium. Here's the types of questions, comments we may get. What are the responses that feel genuine, authentic, and are helpful? Um, and then have those ready to go. So I think it's, it's not that... It's it's less complicated than you think, but it's certainly a new thing for, for pharma to embrace.
0: I know there's been a lot of buzz around AI and chatbots and I'm sure Twitter's a perfect marriage with that. Do you see a lot of innovation there or do you, think you see that's more with like still real people being tuned into the, the, the chatter at the handles?
2: You know, it's a good question. I don't know if I know the answer yet. I think it's too new. I think it's too young on the platform. I think healthcare is continuing to evolve at a very rapid pace. Um, But I'm not sure how that's going to play out yet on Twitter.
1: Well, we'll be watching. Yeah, we'll have to come back for round two. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting because, you know, like you're saying, like it, the, the platform is just evolving so quickly and the world, I mean, the world we live in is evolving so quickly that it's always interesting to see how, with healthcare being so regulated, how are they staying relevant and how are they using Twitter and using all these other social channels to their advantage and yes. like not saying, well, it's, we're not. It's, it's planning and preparation that. yeah. Yeah. And, that's,
2: and that's all it is. And I think companies really are starting to recognize that traditional forms of media media. Are changing, right? The Mm -hmm. the days of just doing print, TV, or radio are really have gone to the wayside. And when you look at where people spend their time, it's certainly on mobile. Um, And a lot of that time is with apps and one of those apps being Twitter. And certainly from a news and breaking news perspective, that's where people are going. So I think they realize that how do we most effectively engage with our consumers? We have to engage with where they are and where they spend their time. Like how many of us watch live TV anymore? I watch it for sporting events when I can and the news when I can. But other than that, it's something that I'm watching on demand on on my own. Time, yeah, the only right? reason
1: I have cable is for uh, sports, but now Twitter is live streaming. Football, yeah. So, so what kind of sports know. do you
2: like? Do you like MLB, <laughs> NFL? You know, you name it, we're gonna be we're gonna be live streaming on yeah. Twitter. So, I think Twitter is evolving to embrace those cord cutters, those people who don't have cable anymore, or those people who don't watch live TV. And even if we're watching live TV, you know, we're not sitting through those commercials, right? We're yeah. multitasking. We're doing something else. We're on our phone. So. Being where your customers are is what brands are starting to do, and I think healthcare is definitely getting there. We've seen so much change in the past year, and mm-hmm. so much um, excitement and energy built around moving this way. So it, it's it's really exciting. What, exactly. What's the
1: response from maybe maybe you don't know this, but the response from doctors and healthcare companies about like you know, being so plugged into their patients, right? It used to be that you'd come in for an appointment and your doctor would see you and then you would leave and he would follow up with like a phone call or an email. But now that the uberization of everything where you want something like right away in real time right like what's kind of the response from that side of the world
2: it, it's an interesting question i mean you know doctors are people too so they want things in that same way just the way their patients do you know mm-hmm. they want that fast response they want to be efficient you know with with everything being electronic medical records now the world has just really changed the way doctors engage with their patients um, there's that one on one time in the office but i think a lot of that other time is just you know offline communication through email or through records back and forth so I I think that it's something that doctors are still trying to figure out um, and what works best for them and their patient population. And I think maybe some types of physicians that engage with certain types of patients, um, maybe it is more valuable to have a lot of one on one connection and the ability to do that. Um, but maybe others it isn't. So I think that I'm not sure how yet, you know, we definitely see a lot of doctors leverage the platform in a way to connect with other physicians, um, learn from other physicians. We actually um, have a lot of activity around conferences when physicians attend conferences and sharing information and learning and following the relevant hashtag. And for those physicians who are too busy to be able to travel to attend those conferences, they can still follow along, be up to speed on the latest happenings and the latest developments. So I think we're seeing physicians really use it as a tool to keep themselves educated, um, as well as lean on and find those other physicians that may be dealing with similar situations in there.
0: I'm sure patients look going learn in the exact same manner at com- conferences, um, different symposiums around events to just tuning in or uh, webinars.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think we have, you know, we have a lot of companies that hold Twitter chats, which basically give, you know, patients the ability to talk directly with the company or the physician to learn a little bit more about the new product or about the disease state or maybe how they handle certain things. So companies are more and more open to engaging and providing this as a resource and using Twitter as that platform to to provide that resource.
1: Well, yeah, um, you know, I know. We've talked a lot about the, kind of the future of healthcare yeah. and what it's and what it is shaping to look like. Um, but what are you kind of? Where do you see the future of healthcare? I know working with uh, CDMI Connect and the Omnicom Health Group yeah. uh, and being kind of plugged into the healthcare space and really understanding patients, I think that's awesome. Like we were saying this before the uh, episode, like the fact that Twitter is like dedicating a specific you know department and branch to to focus on healthcare is awesome. But where do you? What do you see for the health? Uh, the future of healthcare? maybe you can
0: give us some. Uh, little teasers of what we might see with platform enhancements or API partnerships. we'll cut everything.
2: You can just tell us. Uh, Yeah, no, no. (laughs) This will be secret between us. Um, I think there's so much change at Twitter at such a rapid pace that it's almost hard to keep up with. I mean, coming from the pharmaceutical industry where things, you know, just take longer and it's a a very big machine and and things move a little bit more slowly. I mean, the pace of things here and the the change and the growth is dramatic. Um, I think what you'll start to see is a platform that continues to listen to its customers and continues to evolve to meet the needs of its customers. 140 characters, you know that's a, it's a tight limitation to some people. As a
1: copywriter, I'm well, <laughs> well aware of how. <laughs> but hard also it a is. benefit
2: to those who like to yeah. rant, rant, rant. So I think there's there's a happy medium that that's been found, and I'm sure you've probably heard about some of the enhancements where there are certain um, native images and attachments that are no longer counting toward. Yep, got some
1: characters. We were excited about right, that. Right, you have a little that. bit more space <laughs> yeah. to work
2: with to express yourself, but while still keeping in the true vein and the true reality of what Twitter really is mm-hmm. and how how it was built and what it was based on. Um, so I think you'll start to continue to see little things like that. One of, the, one of the tools that we've been working on developing for the past two years since I came here um, is the ability to have an ad on Twitter to reach those consumers that you want without having to have a profile. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the value in a profile is that you have this always-on presence to be able to engage with um, your customers, to share your information, and to get feedback from your customers. It's a two-way dialogue. However, that is a challenge for pharma, right? And something that uh, some have been hard-pressed to embrace. So we have the, We have a new product. It's in beta right now, and it's really focused specifically on the healthcare world, um, ads without profiles. So you don't have to have a profile. You're still going to have all the great targeting that you always have available with Twitter, Your ad is going to look exactly as it does, exact same look and feel as anything now. You just won't have a profile. So if you were to click on the name, for example, Greg Wong, it'll take you to Greg Wong's website versus to his profile page on Twitter. The other differentiating factor is that there are no social interactions. No replies, yeah. no retweets, comments.
0: Oh, we know many managers and clients who would be yeah. quite happy with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, so
2: I, I think it's a really good thing. And I think it's a great tool to be used um, for, the right, for the right client. But again, the value really is that two-way dialogue. So maybe it's a first step to get brands mm-hmm. to leverage the platform, to get them to feel comfortable understanding what creative does very well. And how do we best reach the consumers that they're looking to reach? Uh, and maybe for seasonal brands, right? those brands that maybe are only necessarily relevant in culture for certain times of the year. Maybe it's cough and cold season or flu season, things like that. You could think about brands that only make sense to be on during to be on during certain times of year. So instead of developing a long full year content calendar. Um, so I think there are specific use cases for it. So that's why Twitter really does continue to evolve to meet the needs of its customers. So how
1: do you see, and we talked about, you know, the uh, uh, video being a huge part of Twitter now with yes. all the different sports yes. and being able the live stream. How do you see kind of video streaming impacting patients or the healthcare space, if at all?
2: I think if anything, you know, uh, the live streaming of the debates in the past couple weeks, um, I think it's just bringing more and more people to Twitter. It's helping people find a reason to be here because... It's exactly what's happening now. It's that live conversation. It's a replacement for those people who don't have the cable, right? They can mm-hmm. easily just go to Twitter and see the see the the latest game or the latest debate. So, but yeah, I think the the live part of Twitter, which is really where we're seeing a ton of growth, is going to bring more and more people to Twitter and give brands the ability to line with align with contextual content. When you mm-hmm. think about brands being relevant. You can't just be relevant in your specific disease state. You want to be relevant in the person's life. And that person is far more than their disease state or their condition, right? They're at their sports fans. They follow politics. They're engaged in other culturally relevant events. So Mm -hmm. I think that you want your brand to be integrated with the whole consumer's life journey versus just that one moment when they're thinking about their condition. Yeah. So I think it allows brands to kind of jump on and be a part of that. It's like it's like running TV commercials on Twitter versus running TV commercials on, on actual TV.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great thought, especially as we always bring it all back home to the patient life, the patient uh, impact, um, and how it's more than just this capsule interaction engagement, but... Really, something throughout their whole uh, lifespan.
2: Yeah, it's it's a journey for a patient, right? Sometimes they're only thinking about their issue and their symptoms are a problem or something like that. But I think that in reality, if you want to truly support your patient and to be part of their journey, then you're a part of their journey through all different phases of their life mm-hmm. and all different situations that they're experiencing, not just when they have a need or they're thinking specifically about their condition. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, not just on their
0: commute in the morning. <laughs> not just on their... <laughs> everywhere. Which has
2: luckily gotten shorter, yeah, so... Yeah.
0: Any parting thoughts about the future of patient lives and technology and Twitter?
2: Um, I think, it, you know, I can't see the future or even the future of Twitter, right? Like, it's a little did, bit above my us, pay though, grade. Right? Yes, <laughs> I would future, totally you would tell, tell you, and then you'd have to cut it out of this podcast. Right. But, um, <laughs> no, but I think... It just is a very um, refreshing and positive feeling I know you work for a company that really is integrated into every part of culture. Whether you're on Twitter or not, right, it comes up in your search results, results on Google. It's part of every TV and sports casting that you see. So, um, I think that it will continue to evolve to to meet the needs of of consumers and patients. And I think we have a very um, dedicated team with a lot of experience in the healthcare space to help. Brands engage most um, effectively with their consumers because, at the end of the day, you know we all have we all have that limited time and that limited ability. And if you can really influence a patient's life, like Heidi, who I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I mean that kind of that really makes it all worth it. And that's just one example of someone who literally really proactively searched the internet to find someone to connect with to say thank you. So it really shows the value of what Twitter can be to a patient and a consumer and certainly to a brand
1: cool that's awesome uh, last question sure Um, how do I get more followers
0: (laughs) (laughs) hashtags hashtags I keep trying. Good I keep content. following people. Uh, good content. Good content. How do you become okay. a featured profile on Twitter? <laughs> you hall? want to
2: be verified, huh?
0: <laughs> That's, I do uh, want to be verified. Uh, yeah. Final question. <laughs> so do
2: I. So do
0: I. How do we get
1: verified? <laughs> so yeah. do I. So do, do I. Do we get ver- being on Twitter now? Do we get verified? Is that how that works?
2: Yeah. Actually, when you leave and you return your badge, they'll uh, they'll give that you verifies? a little form in order oh. to quickly get I'm like verified. Super easy. <laughs> so, so easy.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. This is uh, this conversation was like uh, hashtag awesome. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll be cute there and put it out there.
2: Love it. Love yeah. it. Thanks.
1: Um, but thank you so much. Maybe for you'll get some journey. more
2: followers. What is your What is your handle?
1: Yeah. Our, our handle is CDMI Connect, so you can follow CDMI Connect um, to learn more about Twitter, healthcare, or the digital landscape. And um, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll,
2: Yeah. Thanks for coming. Appreciate yeah. the combo. Thank you. Okay.
1: So that was our conversation with Katie Collins. Thank you, Katie,
0: for joining us. We hashtag loved it. Stay tuned for future Healthy Perspectives podcasts. Follow CDMI Connect on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about the episodes. And if you like it, give us a review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And
1: with
2: that, we'll see you next time.